personally believe, to create an amazing world. And we have a lot of challenges. Mm. But the Indigenous had their challenges. They knew they had their high points in their world and they had their low points in their world. And that this is just the evolution of consciousness. Welcome to Doing It For The Dharma. In this series, we'll be following the stories of inspiring humans who are following their soul's calling. I'm your host, Maddie Lynch, the vegan yogi traveler, and it is my mission to share these inspiring stories with you so that you too can feel the inspiration to follow your dharma. Welcome, Shane. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this with me. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. So before we dive in, I would just love to ask, what does Dharma mean to you? I think the word Dharma has a lot of connotations to it. So maybe if we just talk about how I perceive karma. So to me, Karma is the story that we generate in being a human being in this body, in this time on planet. So there are many beliefs that karma can be passed through from generation to generation or soul to soul. And again, these concepts have many connotations for many people. So the fundamental concept then if I'm living in my story how much of that story is my truth so if I considered what Dharma would be for me in this body which is being human is most probably living every minute in the moment in the truth that I've been asked to live in the world of duality. Mm. Wow, beautiful. Thank you so much for such an in-depth answer. That was, haven't had that one before, so thank you so much for your wisdom already. I would love to introduce, or I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners. I know that can be a little bit of an interesting question. Who are you, Shane? A little bit of a deep one, but if you could summarize who you are and the work that you've been doing, that would be amazing. Okay, so the best way to describe who I am, and that's a really good question, is who are we anyway? So I can tell you the experiences I've experienced in my life to give your listeners a bit of an insight of the path of my story. So I was born in Australia on a farm with British parents and had the most beautiful grace life as a child just living in a very simplistic world um, on this farm with my sister and very much of my own thoughts and just deeply connected I believe to nature. Then after I was went through school I became an engineer for whatever that means so I had the experience of working in a very black and white um, left brain world where everything had to be done 
spot on to the laws of physics. And I really enjoyed that life. And those experiences were amazing. It wasn't, though, a fundamental calling. And then just by trusting in the path of life, uh, Marie and I ended back on the, the farm, the family farm, which we then converted to an organic farm, not out of any philosophical reason, it was just survival. So we had the experience of knowing that if we didn't change, that we wouldn't literally survive in the Western world model. Mm -hmm. But that was an amazing breakthrough for us because that opened so many doors. So during that time, we did a lot of personal development work. We got exposed to many crazy ideas. <laughs> and from that day on, moving out of the black and white left brain into the experiences of looking outside the box all the time. Mm. So it was through the experiences with this farming group, which I've um, been involved with for basically nearly 25 years and being an organic for similar time, we came across thinking outside the box of how to really reconnect in this world on the land and make sure we were growing and working with the land, not against the land. Mm -hmm. So all the people of these groups who were from very, very, very big farmers, very big properties, to looking how to really do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't a lot of that knowledge around. It had the capitalist bent of take as much as you can for the minimum amount of input. So. It was a beautiful journey of seeing us all grow as individuals, um, being involved with philanthropic organisations, trying to educate ourselves in many, many different ways. And this also opened the door for me to get an understanding of the energy world of the environment we live in and then the energy world of human beings. And this experience came through just a, a very big calling where it was, I had to go down that path. And for me, that calling became working with humans and obviously mm. our immediate families where we started from and the work we came across very much um, changed our whole family. And we had to have some major, what I call, um, pushes where you're pushed to the edge of the cliff to actually embrace that and, and move forward with it. Mm, beautiful. And what would you say that one of the main triggers was that awoken this deep calling with you to help other people? Was it a certain situation that happened that led you into this work or did it unfold more organically? Excuse um, the pun. <laughs> I think it was just all the, all the experiences mm. we had in experiences the emotions of being human so we had some major emotions of, of losing a child mm. which was fundamentally a major changing point in our lives and also losing my best friend and those t 
times make you really evaluate what's important in life. And I don't see it as a bad thing. I see it as an amazing opportunity that these people gave me. So I'm so grateful for what these people literally gave me. Mm. And so these pushes are the things that make us move in life. It would be nice to think we could do it without being pushed. (laughs) But... The world we live in now, I think we are so disconnected. Mm. Um, when we are confronted with these these very strong emotional challenges, this is when the universe, I believe, is, is really talking to us and saying, hey, you can do better. You mm. can move beyond where you are. And this is where I believe we touch Dharma, that we see those little windows of opportunity, those little windows that make us want to do something fundamentally different in our lives. Mm. Does that mean we go and sit on a mountaintop and become dysfunctional from our family? For me, no. I could still live the life and be the person I am Mm. to the people in the world that I live in, but I could do it in a different way. And so that's how I most probably started working with people. There was no plan, there was no vision. It was just trusting every day I put myself out. Someone would come along to teach me what I had to do the next time, whether it be a client, whether it be another mentor, whether it be a piece of information that would pop out of the internet or a course that for some reason the money would appear that I could go to attend and other courses, Mm. it wasn't appropriate. Yeah, wow, amazing. That just reminded me as well of what you just said in relation to courses popping up and the money appearing. Sorry to go off track, we'll come back, but it reminded me I had an astrology reading before and in the reading it was that as long as you use your abundance and your finances for spiritual growth personal growth and for the help of others like it will always always come back to you and i found that that's definitely been the case i really resonate quite strongly with what you said there and i would love if you can explain this work that you're referring to and the work that you are helping with others i think it'd be amazing to hear more about that as well okay so the core modality um, for the want of a better word that we started using in this agricultural group was called the Dawson program and it's nothing new but it's I will call it a very holistic view of the human energy system so there are many modalities whether it be acupuncture acupressure which works with meridians and then there's other modalities that specialize in the kundalini there's other modalities that specialize in using the luminous energy fields which are basically a fundamental reflection of how the chakras work in our body so the dawson program actually takes all those modalities and puts them into a very western format and says well let's use all those models and you hear the words I'm using models and that's because whatever we do when we're talking about the subtle energy world when we use words is only perceptions Mm. we can only really experience it 
as a secret that can't be told. But for us to be able to teach and work with it, we need some sort of model to keep our wonderful human uh, chatter monkey brain amused. So the Dawson program presented for me a very um, scientific type of model that still paralleled where medicine could live if they chose to modern medicine. Mm. But it was it was nearly marrying so many of the ancient um, processes with a much more modern way of the way the human brain functions at the moment in, mm. in the Western world. And in what way would you say that the Dawson program is, is modern to you? Rather than modern, it's the way you can present it. Mm. You can present it and tie the understanding of how the chakras bring the energy that is still unexplained mm. through science or even quantum physics into the body. So you, then you can model how the chakras then get that energy to move through, whether it be using the Kundalini or the meridians, right through to your DNA structure and from the DNA structure into the proteins and then into the cells and into the whole system. And once we have a model that describes this well, we can use what in the Dawson program I call a digital process of very black and white statements which can be presented to a person's innate healing intelligence to actually determine whether that part of the system is working in them or not and then find the program that created that system to actually malfunction. Mm -hmm. So it's a very simple process because it is a digital process rather than uh, other modalities such as the modality you have which is such a beautiful modality of Reiki which is much more sensory and feeling and sensing the person's energy and stimulating it. So that to me is the analogue, that, that's the real subtle world that we're dealing with. But it's very, very sensory, it's very, very um, intuitive. And for many people in the Western world, our mind now is so caught in this black and white, left and right type thinking. And that's the scripting, that, that crossover from the intuitive world to the what they'd call the scientific world, but it's not even that. It's much more a scripted world. It's very difficult for many people. Mm. So that's where the Dawson program meets that point of a great starting point but in its complexity and as you've experienced we're going through those processes it is a beautiful way to allow your body to find the core places that you need to work at next mm. and yeah and as obviously we both know but the listeners know that I've been on the receiving end of one of your healings and it was such a profound experience and I would love to talk about the way in which you determine those blockages through muscle testing and through this element of kinesiology, I think that would be really interesting if you're comfortable to share that with us too. Yeah, so the process is so, so simple. So fundamentally, the, the biggest thing that we're very, very 
um, keen on expressing to all our students and our clients is I don't do the work. The only person I can heal is myself. And so when we hand that responsibility to a client, it can be quite uncomfortable because in the Western world we've disempowered ourselves by expecting other people to sort our problems out. So by handing that back to the client, we use a process called muscle testing, which um, many people have heard of dowsing or muscle testing. But the way I describe it, it's a very simple reflex we have in our body and that exists in all animals um, that can't photosynthesize. So if we have to find our food, even a bacteria has that reflex, we need to discern whether something's toxic to us or non-toxic, whether it's good for us or not good for us, whether it's true to us or not true to us. So we can show a client that they have this innate intelligence so straight away they can tell us whether the energy systems are functioning correctly, whether the chakras are functioning correctly. Correctly is a very loose word, mm -hmm. but their intelligence knows that the model I hold for correctly is for their optimal health. Mm -hmm. So by doing that, we can just work through and they identify where they need to worked right here in this moment and then we can track back in time we're not interested in the story or the toxic shock that happened yesterday mm -hmm. or whatever it is they can track back in time and find out when these stories started and we've got to remember right now in the western world the medical fraternity is saying it's about i'm just muscle testing how much 87% of all illness, all illness in the Western world is emotional. Mm. That doesn't leave much for virus infections or bacteria, <laughs> broken legs or broken bodies. Yeah. So working with those stories that are imprinted into the subconscious, then the energy systems will generally heal, start healing themselves. Mm. And that in turn will reflect back into the body and heal the body. And this is where the Dawson program is really um, spends a lot of time, as you remember, mm. determining the signs we see in the body that reflect the distortion in the energy systems that mm. shape our body. Wow. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I'd love to go back to that point of not becoming too attached to the stories because this is something that was really profound for me when I when we first did some healing work together is you explained it so beautifully before as when we identify with the story we strengthen that within us and that therefore we're almost reversing the healing process so do you have any kind of advice or tips of how we don't get so attached to the story how can we how we can kind of just let it go and focus on our healing instead um, I think just recently having done a lot of um, work with very various other modalities looking at um, meditation, affirmations, using all of these, all of all of these are part of 
the process of breaking our stories. And, and one of the most profound ones is actually a very simple book called The Four Agreements. Mm. And many, many people have come across it, but many of us, and even I, don't appreciate the fundamental simplicity of breaking these stories. And if we could keep those four agreements, and fundamentally the, the four agreements is be impeccable with your word. But for most of us, it's not. It's easy to be impeccable with your word to others, but it's very difficult to be impeccable with your word to yourself. Because our story is so deeply ingrained in us from point of conception through to right here where we're talking, even mm. this is a story that we're creating in, in this podcast. But underneath this, hopefully, your listeners will be able to hear the truth in both of us, that the mm. fundamental truth in... Who we, who we are, then obviously the next agreement is take nothing personal. So if we can witness ourselves taking things personally, then we honour the first agreement. And this is fundamental. So whether it's through our meditation, learning to become, bear witness to our stories and not getting caught in them, whether it's just having these agreements deeply imprinted in our brains every mm. time we start to drop back to the old programs. That's a stepping stone. So it's, it's not complicated, but it's how deeply these stories are embedded in us. And I think the work that Joe Dispenzia is promoting at the moment really explains that process. And he says, you've got to ask yourself, this question are you your mind or is your mind you <laughs> and when you think about it we're not our mind we're not our mind's body are we our personality or is our personality created by our mind <laughs> and it seems like a, a merry-go-round of thoughts and processes. But once we start to ask those questions, and once we understand that when we are our minds and our body is created by our mind until our body starts to run our mind. So we run programs from our body straight to our mind. Mm -hmm. Like when we get up in the morning, we follow the same routine. Doesn't matter what you do, whether you're going to work, whether you have a meditation routine and a food routine or whatever, we'll fall in that same... And we could do it without even thinking about it. Mm. So being mindful who's running the show is really, really important. And so if we want to change our story, we have to change it within our mind, but then take it to the universe. And when we're in the universe, the universe will then create wave. That wave will come back and then we bring it into our body as emotion. And the emotion will turn that wave into matter. And then our body changes. Mm -hmm. And now our body is a new body mind. And our mind is starting to change to a new mind. So this is fundamentally the four agreements given in another way. Mm. Wow. 
My brain feels like it's about to explode. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I no, I'm it's, probably... it's so profound, and yeah. it's good to look at look at the look at these questions. Right, these are not questions we ask ourselves every yeah. day, if not in a lifetime. Mm. <laughs> so, and I think just the other day, one of the most profound questions that Joe was asking his audience is, "What do you want to be?" Mm. and most of us ask ourselves that but we never do anything about it and he said that's why we keep doing the same thing day in day Mm. out because our body mind and our mind just run the same old scripting the same old story now that's neither right or wrong we must remember some of us are very comfortable in who we are in that Mm. mind but the sign of madness is when we are uncomfortable in who we are and we don't put the effort in to get that new place that we want to work from. Mm. And does that mean we have to sit on the mountain every day and meditate? Does it mean we have to walk away from our relationships? Does mm. it mean we have to change our hair or our body or what we eat? No, it doesn't. It just means we need to change our future right here, right now. Mm-hmm. And we do that by a very specific process. So Reiki, Dawson program, Dispenser's work, all of these are tools. Nutrition is a tool, exercise is a tool, your beautiful yoga is a tool that we bring in when we know that question Mm. what do I want to be wow and how do you decipher which tools are the ones that are going to take you towards answering that question because there's a lot of tools out there especially in this day and age we have an abundance of so many different types of tools and I guess it can be overwhelming to some people especially if they're new to this kind of like well where do I actually start so do, do you have anything experiences yeah I think once we actually can answer that question um, what do we want to be mm-hmm. then it's most probably a lot easier to find the appropriate tools now for me I very much trust, trust in muscle testing and dousing in, in my innate intelligence so for some people who are very good at meditating you could meditate on it and you would be guided in those meditations most probably to where to next so there's many tools that I've experienced and that I use tools to help me make decisions on what next so one tool that I use quite a bit is dowsing what I call blind dowsing so I write down the many many variables that I may mm. have in my mind which I'm the mind just plays these games to make it really confusing, as we all know. Where do I go next? Should I turn left or should I turn right? Halfway in between there. So by blind dowsing, you can actually put these statements mm. on bits of paper of, of the various options and then use that to fine-tune it down to an option or a couple of options. 
Mm, wonderful. And would you be able to just briefly explain for those who aren't familiar with dowsing what that is and what that process looks like? So we talked about muscle testing. Muscle testing is using that innate reflex in us to tap into our highly intuitive intelligence. So you could say you trap tapping in for the one to look perceptive model, mm. the universal intelligence that is in all of us, the oneness that we are. So dowsing is using a tool rather than a muscle, so it could be a pendulum that reflects your intuition. So it's just a way to confirm your intuition. So with a pendulum that's really handy for doing this blind dowsing or, or working with clients at distance, it actually you set the rules and it's like a strong arm, weak arm, so you can get a yes, no, true to me, not true to me response from the pendulum swinging in a rotation and a clockwise, clockwise. And hence, when you say, okay, in this screwed up paper, there's something that will assist me on following my truth path. Mm. Yes, there is, no, there isn't then you can split those into group. It's in this pile and that pile. So it's a very simple, again, digital way of confirming your intuition because you already know mm. if we truly trust it in our intuition, we know what we need to do right here, right now. In the next moment, we know what we need to do. Mm. It's like you are trusting in the questions that are coming to you. Mm. Very true. So it's almost like a little bit of an an assisted guide to tapping into that intuitive answer. Yes, it's bringing us back to um, if we lived very much in nature and very connected, nature would be guiding us, we'd be guided by the universal energies. Mm. And that's how we worked for many years before we created the very complex scripting that we now have in our Western world. So I'm not saying it's right or wrong, because we now can analyse and use that analysis also mm. to create learnings and to create new paths forward. Yeah, so it's almost like now because of this Western analytical world we live in, it's almost like we want to see the evidence, right? We want to see physically the pendulum swing in one way rather than just really trusting. Like you say, it's not right or wrong, it's just the framework in which we live in. Exactly. Mm. I think it's it's a stepping stone to bringing our trust back, back in our intuition. So mm. now, if I'm working with a client with a pendulum or muscle testing, I know that the answer is, is yes or no before it even yeah. starts to swing. And you and yourself, with your trust in your Reiki, just feel and sense. But in our perceptive world, then how do we bring that back to someone to give them ownership of it rather than mm. giving them our perception of what we perceive? So mm. this is a challenge we have where in the ancient tribal communities, they didn't need to convince anyone because they all were so in tune with their own intuition and the intuition of the Mother Earth and, and the universe. Mm. And what do you think it is that, maybe this is going off topic slightly, but what do you think it is that really pulled us out of those ancient ways of being and ancient ways of being so connected to nature and using her as our, 
our guide and our learning tool, like how do you think we ended up where we are right now? So disconnected from everything. And why are we coming back to it again? It's an interesting question and I think there's many, many perceptive answers we could say and we could point the finger at many, many philosophies or mm. many religious beliefs or many educational processes. But if we trust that the universe always knows best mm. and that we do have free will as a human, maybe all of that we have now is part of us lifting our consciousness. So maybe we did have to get lost in our minds and mm. in the brilliance of our ability to create and our brilliance of our minds to analytically um, be able to analyse the transition of wave into matter. So we're very good at working out what matter is. We're not so good at working out what wave is because the wave is where the human mind creates. Mm -hmm. So we have this incredible ability as a human. So right now on this planet, we've got lost in the matter. And just now, I believe, because we're having this conversation, which wouldn't have happened 20 years ago, with the people I associated with and the people like yourself and our children were very far and few between. As our consciousness lives, now we'll bring the two together, which will allow us, I personally believe, to create an amazing world. And we have a lot of challenges. Mm. But the indigenous had their challenges. They knew they had their high points in their world and they had their low points in their world and that this is just the evolution of consciousness. Mm. Wow. Oh, this is a lot to take in, but it's important information, right? This is what needs to be dived into right now and explored, but then at the same time not getting too caught up in everything going on and just surrendering to the process of it all. I think this is the, the key is we love to judge and we love to want to go out and change the world but one of my um, unmet mentors is David Hawkins and I always remember what he said in his books and he said it a number of times there's no point trying to change the world just change yourself and the world will change around you so I really believe the world is giving us an enormous opportunity right now, right here, to change ourselves. And as we do that, the world will change around us. Mm -hmm. And so we may not see it in obvious ways, but as I said, we wouldn't be sitting here if we weren't changing ourselves. And so fundamentally, as my intuition and my trust in the universe changes then what we do in our life on our farm on how we interact with others will make a massive difference on ourselves and also on everything including the world we live in mm. and I think we're seeing this happening in the world in a big way but a lot of people still seem to think that we've got to go out into the world with force 
rather than with power. And I think once we wake up mm. to power will always rule and force will always destroy. Mm. It becomes so much easier than not to have to do a lot but allow our own changes to shift and change. Mm. So in what ways can we learn to embrace and welcome that change? Because I guess change for a lot of people is very scary as it takes you completely out of the comfort zone. So in what ways can we make change easier? Should change be able to be easier or is it part of the whole process that we embrace the, the scariness of it all? So there's another model I love in Hawkins um, and it was his, he, he modelled through muscle testing what he called a level of consciousness. And so he fundamentally believes that every child that's born onto this planet has a certain level of consciousness. And that collective consciousness is the consciousness of a country, of a household, of a world. So by changing our level of consciousness, by, and that's free will, we can, we can lower it or we can grow it that will allow this world to change so if we mm. see that model as a good model then there's not much we have to do except work on ourselves so let's say I was a person who came into this world with a consciousness of fear and through mm. my lifetime I managed to get out of fear and then move to bravado that would make a massive difference in the world so we're not asked to do a lot and I know many people feel they are and that's great but if everyone understood that that we just all of us have been asked to do something and mm -hmm. I think that's the fundamental thing is to learn to actually start trusting in what our path on this planet and not judge people for their part they play on this mm -hmm. planet so it almost reverses everything, right? So like counterclockwise to then judge everyone else's own paths because then that kind of takes away the whole point of coming together, moving more towards this like unity consciousness rather than the fear and separation. Yeah, that's right. But I think we've got a long way to go in this mm. world. And from my understanding that there are many people upon this planet who have quite a high level of consciousness and they're not the people you see in leadership they're not the people you see there mm. but the difference they make in the world is extraordinary because with a high level of consciousness comes a higher flow out of energy to those in your community to those mm. in your society but everyone is part of that it's like the synergy um, walking through that rainforest yesterday we had these you know incredibly big trees and you look at those but then you look at the tiny little fern <laughs> and yet they all were part of that whole beauty of that rainforest the whole synergy the whole communication between each of them each had their place to play and there was a place where the big trees couldn't grow mm. because the environment was too uh, 
wet for them mm. and yet other plants grow. So if we see humanity as the same as that rainforest, that it doesn't matter what level of consciousness we have, all of those are the synergy of the growth of this planet and the growth of the universe and the growth of each of us. So if someone pushes a button, you may say, I just cannot understand how they can think that way. That's a great thing mm. because it's actually given us an opportunity like that big tree maybe choking out the little fern. Mm. The little fern was part of the, the greatness of that tree and the tree respects that fern for that. Wow, that's a really beautiful analogy. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I would love to hear about some of the things, the changes that you've made in your daily life that you feel has made a huge impact on your own level of consciousness or your own experience of living because I know you have some beautiful rituals that you do in your days and your mornings that could be interesting to hear about yeah I um, I think over the last 25 years I've developed what I call my shame toolbox <laughs> So I have many, many tools that I've practiced over time and then those tools start to become redundant for whatever reason. Not redundant that I'll never revisit them, but they've served their purpose. Mm. So I've done many, many things that you read in many books and they get you to a point where you go, wow, I've learnt what I needed to learn from that. And then it's not that you don't need that ritual anymore, it's something else comes along in life. So the rituals I'm doing right now, how long they'll last for. Mm. So right now I'm doing a lot more meditation than I've most probably done for a long time. Um, I still practice my South American shamanic breathing ritual, which I find is very good and it has some really good science behind it why it is such a great ritual for oxygenating the brain I'm starting to get more comfortable with the Ayurvedic um, understanding of the body and how to um, enhance your body with the right foods for you so this is all part of it even though I've been aware of it for a long long time mm. and playing with that and as you know in the Dawson program we, we teach a little process called the five paces of health so spending a lot more time checking in where do I need to put the effort you know, is it my attitude do I need to do more meditation to make sure I'm bringing my gifts and my future into now and breaking old patterns so mm. that's where I'm spending a lot of time at the moment and also spending more time with nutrition so as your body gets older, it doesn't absorb food as well, so you've got to start playing with nutrition and seeing what works for you and what doesn't work for you. So this is the joy of life. It's amazing how when you just open to it, it throws curveballs at you and you say, wow, I can't keep doing that anymore. <laughs> so you move on and, and, and bring something else in. And, you know, it's, I, I love watching you guys, the younger generation, <laughs> saying, wow, yeah, been <laughs> there, done that, <laughs> what's next? But it's, it's part of our whole growth and that's what's beautiful about being human mm -hmm. is just being in the moment of 
enjoying every minute of, of our life and allowing various tools and processes to come in and out and, and flow and, mm. and trust the universe will show you what next. That's beautiful, yeah, and without having attachment to certain processes as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not big on dogma. Mm. No, and I know it works for some people, but a, a lot of people um, will see something as being a panacea or this is the way to do it. And that in itself is a real story. Mm. Where to me it is saying, right here, right now, this, this is where I need to be. But tomorrow, who knows what? Mm. You know, tomorrow you may not be on this planet in this body. Mm. So, so let's make the most of what was presented to me today. So let's enjoy this day and just go forward. And that's what I'm really working on at the moment because I have lived a very busy life mm. in many, many aspects and I love it, love it, love it. But one has to be careful sometimes that we don't get totally caught in it. Mm. As my children remind me, which is beautiful, like they <laughs> remind me. And as you have as well, to take time and slow down and just mm. enjoy, just enjoying. Definitely. Yeah, I think it's very easy when you're working with like healing modalities to get caught up in trying to take care of everyone else first and forgetting that actually mm. maybe you need some time to heal and slow down as well. So that's a really beautiful point to be made yeah it's a great point for all of us and it's a great point to remember most people are attracted into working with others and giving is because fundamentally underneath us we have a a story of wanting to be a rescuer mm. can you talk a little bit about that actually there was the three archetypes right yes so the the model that i use and, and people use different perceptive words for describing it but it's fundamentally humanity or the way our mind works is we will drop into either all three or we generally have a preference in one so we have if you can imagine it's a three-legged pot and on one leg is called the rescuer which is generally where people who work um, with caring or wanting to assist humans, animals, whatever, mm. fall into. The other is a victim, and that's where when you've been giving and giving and no one seems to be giving back, then you jump across there because now you feel that everyone's persecuting you and the other one is obviously the persecutor, mm. which is when we feel threatened, when we feel it's, it's the flight-fight response, then we default to that and to protect ourselves and we start to point the finger at it's other people's fault and it's again just bearing witness to that that we have a favorite place we default to mm. and if we can just bear witness and whatever we do on this planet if we can stand in the middle of that pot and just watch ourselves drift gently in the middle rather than getting caught on one of the legs and running down that leg and feeding into our story. Because mm. most of those um, stories of those three things, the rescuer, the victim, the persecutor, come from some sort of deep hurt that's happened mm. in our childhood, 
when we had childhood amnesia or in our youth or inherited from a family, you could call it karma, which is coming right back around <laughs> to what we started with. And all of this, when we were aware of it, then we can start to sit in the middle of the pot, mm. which is fundamentally where we started, which is your dharma. Wow. So when we sit in the middle of the pot, we're mostly working very much closer to our truth, mm. and there's not a lot to do. There's no one to rescue, there's no one to persecute, and we can't be a victim. Mm. Wow. It's very profound. Thank you so much for sharing that analogy. And yeah, there's a good reminder for all of us because I think we can so easily become too over-identified with one state and then completely imbalance the others, right? Because I guess like in all of these modalities, we have these roles and cycles. And even with Ayurveda, there's the three, right? Vata, Pitta, Kapha. And it's always like we need this kind of balance between all of them. We need to sit in the middle of all mm. the pots of all of the yeah, things, right? Exactly. Mm, super, super interesting. Yeah. So I would say we're coming towards the end of our interview because I'm just a little bit, you know, mindful of this concept of time that we have. Yeah. Um, I would love if you can just explain a little bit about what a session with you would, would look like because I know you do also offer some distance healing sessions and corrections and so if you could talk a little bit about that what someone could expect um, I think that would be interesting for people maybe who would want to maybe have a session with you or find out more about it yes so um, I suppose fundamentally what the Dawson program to me really is very very good at, at resolving is if we believe um, that we can inherit karma from our gene pool, from let's call it our soul memories, from other people. When we come into this world, even as the innocence of a baby, which lives in a very different um, brainwave pattern to the pattern that we as adults use, the Dawson program is very good at identifying the baggage that we may bring in with us or the baggage we attract as we start to create our story. Mm -hmm. So we're like big magnets. We love to attract other people's rubbish, other people's stories onto our stories to build that story stronger. So what happens as we capture those emotions or memories of toxic shock or memories of physical shock or actual physical shock that will then challenge our energy systems start to lose their frequency their their vitality their life force so then it's harder for our cells to produce healthy, healthy cells which is then disease mm -hmm. distress in our body so the Dawson program through a very simple process of asking how the energy centers are going the person's intelligence will guide you to say they actually first started to be challenged maybe a point of conception which could be then maybe a malfunction or a, an emotion that was brought into that child into that person at birth mm. and that story is so easy to get rid of because the subconscious once it realizes it's not true will just 
and literally delete it like hitting the delete button on your computer and that story is then gone and then you can replace it if it is a strong emotion with an affirmation which you know if you practice that affirmation with breath and meditation and we were talking about this earlier um, is so important to reinstate a new story into the subconscious mind and not allow the stories of your conscious mind which is a programmer to keep reprogramming that old story Mm. so the process is very simple the client's in control and we just use all the energy systems the chakras the meridians the auric field as the Mm. master template that the person is going to bring back to its optimum and in doing that they will choose whether to work at a genetic level to work at a soul level to Mm. work at a historical level to work at um, an early childhood trauma or to work with something that may have even happened 24 hours ago Mm. even with emotions that they're carrying for their clients if you have quite often as you know you need to download stuff that quite often you will absorb Mm. from your clients because they're actually triggering stuff in yourself Mm. so and the process is so so simple and that's what I love about it beautiful thank you so much for explaining that I'm sure the listeners will be interested to visualize that process as you've spoken about it and I know that you do have some online clients as well with the work that you do um is there somewhere that they can reach you if they did want to reach out for a session with you i know we're in the process we're gonna get your website <laughs> up we're gonna get you on patreon well you're gonna yeah. get yourself up. i'm happy to help out but um would you be happy to share say your email address or i can link that in the show notes yeah would most probably the email mm. would be the best Okay. Um, contact yes. at this point so understanding that many of your clients are overseas and mm. and that will be the best way and have a conversation um, I'm getting more tech savvy so <laughs> we can have a conversation on messenger or Skype yes. or whatever and explain it so mm. I really do love to make sure the way I run my sessions it's about education Mm. because the clients are doing the work and if I can educate them to understand they've done this and it's not me that makes me excited Mm. because then they can go away from it and keep the process going Mm. it's I don't want it to be the western medical model where hey I'm a doctor I can fix you Mm, take this (laughs) and you know look there are many energy workers say look I can heal you Mm. But no, doctors can cure symptoms, Mm -hmm. but the only person that can heal you is you. But you need people to be that catalyst for them, to educate them, to remind them of their incredible ability to heal, Mm -hmm. to guide them through the processes that they are doing. And that's all energy work is, is just reminding us of our connection to the universe and our connection to authentic self mm. so I've got off track but yes most probably the email if you'd like to put um, the email up sure. on the notes that, that'd be great mm. Thanks, I will definitely link yeah. that such a pleasure 
Well, I'd love to wrap up the interview with just a few fun little fire round questions, or just some random questions, so you don't need to think too much, um, and we can just see where we go from then. Um, so what would you say is a book that has changed your life or changed your perspective on something in a profound way? Um, Power versus Force by David Hawkins. Mm-hmm. That helped me stop judging. Wow. Judging others? And judging o- others and self, comparing mm. self with others. Beautiful. Because of his model of the level of consciousness. Mm. Okay, we'll link that one in the show notes below yeah. as well. So another question, if you were to go back to your teenage self, say, let's say your 18-year-old self, and you had to give yourself one piece of advice or wisdom, what would it be? It would be just to trust, totally trust in yourself. Trust in your knowingness. Mm, Beautiful. I know you've been married for a very long time and I'm wondering if you have a piece of advice or a few words of wisdom of what makes a long-lasting, happy relationship. For me, it is just, it's not about compromise, but it's about understanding. It's understanding that each of us, I will never understand who you are, Maddie. And you will never understand who I am. So I'll, I will never understand who my beautiful wife is, Marie, and she will never understand who I am. And if you go into a relationship with that mm-hmm. thought, then it makes it so much easier to depersonalize those tough times. It just means that your touch point wasn't on the same plane you were missing those touch points. And that's the other thing, is to have plenty of touch points where you don't live or force anyone to live under your shadow or your rock, and that you don't live under anyone else's rock. But you've got plenty of beautiful touch points Mm -hmm. where you can share life, but you both have your own life. Mm, And that's a real balancing act, is when you're getting too off track, and when it's time to fill someone's um, love tank with love and when it's time for them to fill your love tank with love. And that's a really tricky balancing act because you can compromise yourself doing that, Mm. compromise yourself with truth. But for us, as you know, we're very different people, but it works because (laughs) of that. Balance. Yeah, it's that balance. Mm, Thank you for sharing. A few last questions. What is your favorite place in nature? I think most probably would be in the rainforest. Mm. It would be in the rainforest, yeah. Beautiful. And what is your favorite food? And why? <laughs> and you can say anything, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, no offense but, taken but, when it's not but, vegan. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, mm. um, it is most probably vegetables mm. that I've grown and I've, I've mm. picked with love and consciousness. 
and even though I am a meat eater, it is having that wholesome understanding that this all came from the property and the farm and it's just by the grace of of the divine that I've got this food in front of me mm-hmm. and I think there's no favourite food it, it is just to have that food that you know that you've been graced to be part of it graced to be the soil graced to be the there's rain, grace to be the sun, grace to be the animal mm. that's given its life to you, or grace to be the, the plant that's given its life to you, and to have that in front of you and go, uh, it's just so special, mm. so special, wow. and that's why, you know, my life's grace to be a farmer. Mm. That is so mm. beautiful, thank you so much. One last question, because I'm curious. Would you say that you have a spirit animal? And if so, what and why? Um, Having trained in the South American shamanic work, I have many spirit animals. And one of the most fun ones was a blind mole rat. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, I did this meditation with a group. We were doing a drumming session doing the South American. This blind mole rat came. what in the world is this trying to teach me? I want to have a lion or a fox or an eagle, or, which I've had. Mm. And I spent a lot of time with Sprawl, Blind Mole Rat, and it was teaching me about, hey, Shane, you've got to get out of your everyday senses and learn to just mm. walk in the darkness and trust life. Wow. Without being able to see, hear, smell. Mm. Just trust life. That's amazing. <laughs> wow, I'm getting like tears of eyes as you speak about this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. intense. Yeah. And I just love to mention briefly, um, because Shane and I we did a, well, you did a soul retrieval on me mm. before, and it was a part of your shamanic practice. You did a soul retrieval on yourself. You assisted a soul I, retrieval. I, I, I was a wonderful witness, <laughs> you there, a and you allowed me guide. to be such a beautiful witness. It was, it was exciting mm. to be your witness. Wow, yeah. thank you. And I remember retrieving the deer. But I didn't, I didn't remember anything about that. And I, I didn't journal anything about that until I came to the Sunshine Coast where I had a very intense session journaling about this deer and, and what she means to me. And yeah, I found that it was about finding grace in situations and just being able to be the deer in the headlights and deal with trauma or worry or fear head on as it arrives but not anticipating it because you know how the deer is like gracefully grazing something happens ah fear and then she gracefully grazes afterwards without this worry and anxiety yeah Yeah, that was really profound (laughs) that's so exciting Mm. i love love this Mm. i mean it's so nice to get feedback from other people's experiences because that's how we all grow exactly and then more more like with more depth into that I did this channeling first where I wrote down all of the information because I didn't want to research online until I'd done it from within first and then when I did the online research I found that I think in one of the Native American tribes and traditions the deer is associated with Gemini um, because you know they have different animals for the astrology and I'm like okay I'm a Gemini and it's the deer and it's like wow again these connections so 
yeah, yeah. really profound so I just want to say like, thank you so much for introducing me into this world and in, initiating me into the Dawson program and, and all of the, the lessons and wisdom that you share has just been so profound and I wish that all of the conversations that have been had over the past few months that we've shared together in the group could have been recorded but we just have this one recorded for now um, but I really hope that you will have a platform to share all of the teachings that you do because there's just so much that we can learn from you so I'm just eternally grateful for your wisdom so thank you so much Shane this has been amazing <laughs> thank you Maddie and I trust you in this has got something more for me than just being very busy on the farm so yeah. I trust everything's coming to alignment mm. to allow me to do that so definitely and I yeah. think we need to get your podcast as well because I will be listening <laughs> many others I'm sure yeah. wonderful well thank you for starting this journey for me so mm maybe this is a catalyst that will make me <laughs> move to the next step mm-hmm. and I'm sure maybe. you'll be part of that so thank you thank you mate. such a pleasure thank you <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed this interview with the wonderful Shane like I said I'm sad because I wish you could have heard all of the conversations that we had over the five weeks that I was living on the farm but this is the only one that you'll have for now but hopefully we can bring Shane back on in the future because he's just so versed in so many areas and it's just truly amazing so I have linked Shane's info in the show notes so definitely send him an email he's super friendly and I'm sure we'll be happy to respond if you are interested in finding out more about the Dawson program or even booking in a session with Shane as I mentioned he does a lot of online work which is so so cool and yeah I can just really recommend connecting with him in in some way shape or form because he truly is a wizard walking on this planet now for me personally I would love to mention that I do have a Patreon account now, so if you would like to support the podcast, if you enjoy the content, you can sign up for €5.55 a month and get a little bit behind the scenes on the podcast and a little bit more, and I basically have all of my offerings on Patreon, so I have my online yoga classes, my new moon ceremonies, my weekly guided meditations, journaling prompts, and so much more, so I'll also have that linked below. And yeah, I'd love to mention that soon I will also be, or I'm in the process of putting on my website a scheduling system so you can schedule to have an Akashic record reading or an Oracle card reading with myself, which I'm so, so happy to share with you as this is something that I've done in, in person before, but not really something that I've put out online but I guess this is the way that we are working towards now right (laughs) this is what the outcome of corona has resulted in that everyone is is going digital which is kind of interesting also another little note is that Ellie a beautiful friend of mine who was actually my first ever interview for doing it for the Dharma a whole year ago I can't believe it so we are going to be starting an Instagram live series every Sunday um it will be at 12 o'clock um I think it's central European time it will be basically in the Berlin time zone at midday on Sunday because that's the time that suits me and Oz best um yeah we'll be hosting an Instagram live where 
each week we will be diving into different topics, exploring different areas of sacred sexuality. So make sure you do tune in for those. And yeah, I'm really, really excited to announce that next week we have Valencia on the show. Now, Valencia is an international model, not only a model, so much more than that. She's also a yoga teacher, full-time content creator, and full-time just spreading those positive vibes. I absolutely loved my conversation with V. We laughed so, so much and just dived into so many different topics. And yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to bringing that to you. So that will be released one week today. And I've had a few more interviews since and the interviews are gonna keep flowing and just keep bringing you amazing, inspiring guests. So yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. If you would love to help the show grow, if you could um, leave a little review on Apple iTunes, if that's where you're listening, or share an episode with a friend, I would be infinitely grateful for your support. So thank you, have a beautiful day, and I hope you follow your dharma.